The love of God, his grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this first Sunday in Advent. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Anyone here read Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose? Like to read history books? Oh, you did. Okay, well, it sounds like a World War II or a D-Day book, doesn't it? But it's not. It's about Lewis and Clark. And the book details their expedition based on Lewis and Clark's notes and diaries. Ambrose pays particular attention to a moment of truth in Lewis and Clark's journey across this continent. Apparently, all of Lewis and Clark's advanced information, which wasn't much in the early 1800s, led them to believe that once they'd reached the Continental Divide, about 100 miles west of uh, Three Forks, Montana, they'd have another day's journey across open land, then reach the waters of the Columbia River, and then just easily float down to the Pacific Ocean. The hard part of their journey would be behind them, or so they thought. As they climbed the bluffs on the Continental Divide, expecting to see the Columbia River out in the distance, imagine what it must have felt like to see a mountain range instead. And not just any mountain range, the Rocky Mountains. They had come too far to turn back, and there was no clear way forward. They felt trapped. You know the feeling. We all do in some way, shape, or form. Maybe we recently conquered a bad habit only to slide back into it. Maybe we feel stuck in a dead-end relationship or a dead-end job, a dead-end life, or all the above and more. Lewis and Clark felt we can't go back and we can't go forward. We're trapped. Well, welcome also to the world of Abraham and Sarah. Their journey begins in Genesis 11. Abram, as he was originally called then, was the son of a man named Terah. And the family was from an ancient city called Ur, and a land later known as Babylon. It was in Ur that Abram met Sarai, as she was called back then. They met at a tent makers convention and expo, and it must have been love at first sight. Abram asked Sarai out to dinner at a fancy Babylonian restaurant. And from there, they made history together. They married and moved from Ur to Haran, a city on the Tigris River. Well, then one day, God looked down on the couple and decided that he'd intervene. Not that Abram and Sarai's marriage needed divine intervention. It was just that God wanted to make himself known again to the whole world because, well, most people had forgotten about him since Noah and the flood. So he chose this madcap couple in Haran to do it. He called them to go to the land of Canaan where he would make them a great people, a nation. Abram was 65 years old at the time and Sarai was 55. You'd think, you'd think that God would have asked them to, have, to start having all these children a few decades earlier, wouldn't you? And that's exactly what Abram and Sarai thought. Moses records in Genesis 11 
that Sarai was barren, meaning incapable of having children. Apparently, then they had been trying, but no babies came. So you can imagine what they thought of God's promise that they would have all these children. Ridiculous. Sarai can't. And besides, we're both too old now, they thought. And so they waited for the Lord to make his move and waited some more and waited. Still, no son. They got tired of waiting when Abram turned 86 and Sarai turned 76. Who could blame them? Sarai got so tired of waiting, she decided to make something happen on her own. She pushed a woman named Hagar into Abram's tent, and nine months later, as a result of that shenanigan, a son does come, Ishmael. Thirteen years later, Abram is 99, and Sarai 89, and she's still barren. The tent is full of dysfunction as this family tries to deal with Hagar and the illegitimate Ishmael, and God's not saying a word in the meantime, until he intervenes again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, as if Abram didn't know that already. In Hebrew, it's El Shaddai, which means God is sufficient. God is able. God is powerful. God is almighty. So what does El Shaddai do when he shows up, he cuts a deal with Abram and Sarai, an eternal deal, which we know from God's word is called a covenant. And it's not a deal that's signed on paper. There's no notary public, but there was blood. That's because God's covenant between himself and his people involved animals with their necks cut, and their blood poured out. And we've been over this recently, remember? Covenant cutting for the Hebrews was a messy, messy thing. But it was part of a loving, obedient relationship. God fulfilled his covenant promise to Abram and Sarai through the birth of a legitimate son, Isaac. And all the more, God fulfilled his covenant promise to us through the birth of his son, Jesus. But I've skipped over, I mean, I've just skipped over a lot in between, right? Nevertheless, Jesus is who we look forward to showing up and intervening in our lives this Advent season. And you can bet there will be blood in Jerusalem on that blood and garbage-soaked hill right outside the city gate. The everlasting covenant promised to Abraham is signed sealed and delivered to you. Still, we hear other callings when we feel trapped in sin. Drink your way out, spend your way out, you are the way out, or there's no way out. If we listen to these voices long enough, our mind, body, and soul become more damaged, more corrupt. Feeling trapped in a dead-end job, a dead-end relationship, or a a dead-end life? I hope not. Nevertheless, it twists us into emotional pretzels, makes the blood pressure rise, our heads ache, our stomachs turn. We knock it back with pills, booze, 
food binging, binge watching. I'm talking the kind of binge watching where you're, you don't pay your PGE, PGE bill and they shut off your power while you're watching your show. On 7th December 1941, a Japanese Navy pilot crashed a Zero fighter on the Hawaiian island of Ni'ihau. You know that island you can't go to because it's privately owned? He spent six days on this island evading the native Hawaiian people there as well as the American family who owned it. Talk about feeling trapped, huh? Whether you feel trapped on an island you can't escape or you're on a journey you can't go forward or backward, hear this loud and clear. God has shown up. He has intervened in Jesus Christ. So we're not really trapped after all. Say no to the lie that you're trapped, and yes to the truth that you're saved and set free. Trust this promise that Jesus brings. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. Or St. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or you can go back to Genesis. God says to Abram and Sarai, I will make a covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. It all means, no matter what you feel, no matter what you feel trapped in or trapped by, wait upon the Lord with the faith that He gives you. Because of Jesus' everlasting blood covenant with you, death is dead, sin is forgiven, hope is eternal, the victory's won. When Christ was born, God showed up and intervened. Jesus is our God with us, so put your faith fully in Him. Because of this baby, you are free forever. And we will continue hearing this and being reminded of it through different readings throughout our Advent series. And so I encourage you to come every Sunday and Wednesday to hear it over and over again, God's promise fulfilled in Jesus for you. So may it be so for you, and may his peace, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.